Well, as we begin today, let me review one more time just for good measure for everyone. Make sure we're all on the same page of where we've been. Your path will determine your place. Your path will determine your place. That's where we've been saying through these series that the paths you choose in life will determine the places you eventually arrive in life always. That our paths more than our plans and more than our prayers will determine where we actually arrive in life. That our points along the way of life become our paths and our paths dictate and determine the places that we eventually find ourselves. But today I want to add a, a last piece of this equation, but it's, it's not something that gets actually tacked on to the end of the equation. It's actually something that we need to be attentive to and pay attention to and know and understand at the, that it happens at the very beginning. It's our attention. Wherever you are right now, would you either type in the chat or would you, or would you say this out loud with us on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three, attention. Our attention determines our direction, which always determines our destination. It goes our attention, our path, our places. Our attention, our path, our places. Our attention, our direction, our destination. Attention, paths, places. When something or someone grabs or catches your attention, it can turn your life in a new direction or set your life on a new path. This is why, this is why all of us, when we were taught to drive, you were taught to pay attention to the road, not the cars that were passing you and not the cars that you were passing. Because where your eyes go, there your vehicle goes. This is why you had to figure out how to change the music without looking at the console because if your eyes go off of the road, wild things happen with your vehicle. This is why it's such a big deal not to be looking at your phone while driving because if your eyes go away from the road, who knows where your car goes? Attention, direction, destination. I, I unfortunately relearned this principle a hard way almost two years ago. Um, I was out on a bike ride. I planned on going about 12 miles that day. And I was on the trail going through uh, our, our, the La Llorona Park down the by the Rio Grande. And I started fidgeting with my phone uh, because my playlist had changed on me somehow. So I'm messing with my phone, which is on a holder on the front of the bike. But I came upon this curve that was sharper than I anticipated. And I noticed it too late and I overcorrected and I went down hard. I mean, I like, I went down hard. I had big time road rash and bruising on my hip and shoulder for a few weeks because I wasn't paying attention to the path that I was on. I wasn't paying attention. My eyes went off of my path and all of a sudden my path ended quickly on the side of the path on the side of the concrete, going off the concrete, hitting the curve too hard, trying to over, like, and I went down hard. I had shifted my attention to something that did not matter and all of a sudden, the direction and my destination were affected. We can all think of ways that this has been a force for good in our lives. You maybe someone introduced you to the love of your life, they grabbed your attention, and all of a sudden the direction of your life changed. Someone introduced you or maybe invited you to church. Like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I actually started paying attention to my faith. I started paying attention to my spirituality, I started paying attention to Jesus and the direction of my life. I mean, like it set me on a brand new path and I'm so grateful that it did. Maybe someone told you about a diet plan that actually worked for you, something that you could stick to in a workout plan that worked for you and you lost a whole bunch of weight because someone grabbed your attention, drew your attention to something that was a force for good that set you on a new path. But we can all think of ways this has been a force that takes us completely off course as well. Maybe people you have that you wish you had never met. Maybe there are dates that you wish you had never gone on. Maybe there are business deals you wish you had never engaged in. Maybe it's commercials or ads that you wish you had never seen. You know, like 
you saw this commercial, you thought, that's the thing for me. And you ended up spending hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars on this product or this series of products, all because something grabbed your attention and it did nothing for you except drain your bank account. What grabbed your attention, it was a force for good because it put you on a positive new path, or it was a force for destruction because what grabbed your attention set you on a path toward disaster. And here's the thing, whenever we get on a path that heads toward disaster, let me just tell you what, is one of two paths. It's either a path towards destruction or a path towards distraction. It's a path towards destruction or a path towards distraction. Let me talk about these a little bit. A path towards destruction is something that it leads you nowhere good. It leads you toward inevitable heartbreak. It leads you to financial ruin. But at the end of the day, what's interesting about this is this is a path that you know it's not smart from the very beginning. You know it's not wise. You know it's not good. You know it's not healthy. But whatever is on that path or whoever is on the path is so emotionally appealing that you make decisions despite the fact that you know these decisions aren't wise and they aren't healthy and they aren't good and they aren't fruitful for you. You know what's on the path is destruction. You know it's disaster, but you choose the path anyway because whatever or whoever is on the path has grabbed your attention and has grabbed you emotionally in such a way that you don't care about the outcome. You just want to be on the path. This is that person of the opposite sex who they just get you. They get you in a way that your spouse doesn't get you anymore. And because of that emotional pull, you spend more and more and more time with that person. This is the rush of online sports gambling where you keep losing, but the thrill of betting keeps you coming back for more and more. In both of those and a ton of other things, the excitement keeps your attention just long enough to get you moving toward the things that are no good for you. It's a path of destruction, but there's also a path towards distraction. And this is a more subtle thing. This is also most of our life, right? This is a subtle thing. This doesn't like you get on these paths and you don't realize you're actually heading anywhere. You don't realize that you're heading towards disaster. They're subtle, they're slow, but something gets our attention in a way that we start slowly moving in a direct direction that distracts us from the most important things in our lives, the things that actually need our attention, the things that we may not necessarily want to give our attention, but we know we need to pay attention to, we need to give our attention to. This is, th- these are the things that are, are slow burns, but they move us in a direction because we, can, because we forget to pay attention to the things that matter more. This is social media and the endless well of nothing that somehow takes up hours of our day and then we think we have no time to read the Bible. This is YouTube and the vloggers that fill you in on their daily lives so you feel a connection to them while you struggle to make real connection with the real people in your world. This is fantasy football. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. And you know all the stats of every player in your multiple lineups across multiple leagues but you didn't know that your kid is having a rough week emotionally with with school. Like this is knowing all the information there is to know about your hobby, but not knowing how to sit down and have a real conversation with your spouse. This is politics and the endless news cycles and headlines that cause us to forget about real people on the other side of our opinions. So at the end of the day, what we find ourselves is like, I mean, this wasn't a big emotional pull. Like I was like, wow, I was definitely going towards dangerous things because the things themselves might be benign. But what the problem the problem is is these benign things take our attention away from things that matter 
more. And here's the unfortunate place that both paths lead to. They lead to disaster. If you make choices that you know are unwise because something or someone has grabbed your attention and your emotions, it inevitably leads to disaster. But also, if something grabs your attention just enough that you no longer pay attention or give attention to the things and people in your life that matter most, you unfortunately still end up in a place of disaster. By choosing to give your attention to things that you know are no good for you, you end up in places you don't want to. And by allowing your attention to drift and shift to less important things, you allow yourself to end up in places where your physical health, your spiritual health, your family life, and your career can all end up in a list of things that look nothing like you hoped and prayed and planned. They would look like all along. Now, again, it's not like I said anything there that was groundbreaking or new, and it's not like I said anything there that you kind of don't already know, but everything I just said there was true, and because of the nature of life and because of our tendency to drift and our tendency to wander and our tendency to get pulled in directions because of our emotions and our attention, this is something that we need to constantly be reminded of from time to time about the importance of our attention and what we give our attention to and what we allow our attention to wander into and what we allow our attention to wander towards and what we ultimately must choose to pay attention to, to prioritize with our limited intention. In fact, this has been something that God cares about so much and cares so much about his people that he took the time to remind his people of over and over and over again, because let's be honest, God knows us. God cares about us. God wants our lives to end up in the places that he has for us following his plans and his purposes and not giving our attention to anything less than that, not giving our attention to the things, to things in life that do not matter. God cares about us so much that over and over again throughout scripture, for his people's sake and for our people's he has continuously reminded us of the importance of our attention. See, one of the places that God reminded the nation of Israel of this important truth was in the Old Testament prophetic writings of Isaiah. Isaiah is this really long book in the Old Testament, 66 chapters, and Isaiah is written through the prophet Isaiah and a circle of prophets that Isaiah had surrounded himself with to the kings and the people of the nation of Judah and the capital city of Jerusalem right before and during the time of exile in Babylon. The passage I want us to look at together today is specifically addressed to the nation of Israel being faced with the oncoming assaults and threats from the empire of Assyria and the growing world superpower known as Babylon. And in the moment where they were faced with these threats, their tendency, unfortunately, like many of us, their tendency was not to look to God, not to look to the one who had the actual hope for them, not to the one who could deliver them, not to look to their deliverer, but was to look around and find who they could possibly make an alliance with that could save them from Assyria and Babylon. In Isaiah chapter 30, starting in verse one, we're told this, God said, woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in zone and their, and their envoys have arrived in Hanus, 
Everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. He said this, through a land of hardship and distress, of lions and lionesses, of adders and darting snakes, the envoys carry their riches on donkeys' backs, their treasures on the humps of camels, to that unprofitable nation, to Egypt, whose help is utterly useless. Now, here's what God is saying. Look, you are looking to Egypt for your salvation. Egypt has no salvation to offer. In the face of trouble, you are looking around you instead of looking to the one who can help you. In the, in the face of trouble, in the, like I get it, Assyria is a big deal. I get it, Babylon's a big deal. I get it, you feel threatened. I get it, you feel endangered. I get it that your life is actually, in, is actually in danger. I get all that. But right now, you are looking to someone and to something that has grabbed your attention despite the fact that they have nothing to offer you. And this is, this is God simply reminding his people, and this is something that we need to be reminded of. When when you pay attention in the wrong direction, you will turn to the wrong places in your moment of need. I mean, this is a big deal in life. God had freed the nation of Israel from Egypt. In their history, God had already freed the nation of Israel from Egypt. Now, when they're facing, facing very real threats toward their sovereignty and their existence, they look back to the place and the people they were freed from. Not, they do not look to their own self-sufficiency. They don't look to God who delivered them from Egypt and has made them sovereign and has made them an independent nation and has established them on the world stage. They don't look to the God who did all that for them. They actually look back to the power that had enslaved them. On another scale, here's what's happening. They are so for, focused on preserving power that they go looking for power. They go looking for, they're, they're so focused on preserving their own power militarily and regionally politically, political power. Military and political power is their focus. They're like, we've got to keep military and regional political power. That's what's important right now. That's what we're looking for right now. We've got to keep power. That's their focus. So where they turn when their military power and their political power is threatened, they look to another military power and another political power because what they're focusing on when, they're, when life is going good, they also turn their attention to when things go bad. In other words, they don't know where else to look. They have been so focused on power and military and political prestige and political authority that they actually don't know where else to look. Their only option, in their opinion, is to choose and look toward Egypt, the very place they had been freed from. In forming an alliance with Egypt, what they unknowingly are doing in this moment they are, they are giving over their free, they're choosing to give over their freedom to Egypt instead of being conquered and giving their freedom over to Assyria. God in this moment is to try, is trying to get their attention back to him. He's saying, guys, but the only reason you feel threatened right now is because you think that your hope 
is found in military and politics. Your hope has never been found there. And as long as you keep living, looking there, as long as you keep your attention and your focus there, you will find yourselves coming up empty because military and politics is a terrible direction to look for hope and a future. And for some of us today, like I just, I, I think this is a word for us. For some of us, we need to be reminded today that we need to keep our eyes on God as the source of our hope and our life. That when things are going good, we keep our eyes on God so that when things aren't going so good, we know where to look when things aren't going good. We know that we know to look to the one who can turn anything into good because when we put our hope in anything less than God, we will always find ourselves coming up empty because those things and those people and the things that grab your attention and the people that grab your emotions, they were never meant to satisfy and never meant to support the weight of your lives. They can barely help you enough when things are going well. They can never be the ones to bring you out of it when things are going bad. God, God reminds us through the prophet Israel that what we look to, what we pay attention to, when we're paying attention in the wrong direction, when things are going well, you will turn to the wrong places in your moments of trouble, in your moments of need. So look to the right direction. Look to the source of life. Look to the source of hope. Look to the source of a future. Look to God himself and God alone. Keep your attention on the one who is who, who matters most. God would go on to say through the prophet Isaiah, they say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Prophesy of illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. And I, man, this is such a strong, like, you notice what they said at the beginning. They say to the seers, see no more visions. In other words, there's, there are prophetic voices saying like, hey, you're moving in the wrong direction and I can see what lies on this path. And they're saying, no, 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 we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear what lies on this path. And then to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. In other words, we, we, we would rather believe what is wrong than be confronted by what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. And this is just such an important thing to be reminded of, that when you listen to the wrong voices long enough, the right voices become incredibly inconvenient and uncomfortable. I mean, some of us, we just need to stop here and to pause the video and think right now about what voices we have been listening to that are the wrong voices, that are the voices of lies, that are the voices of negativity, that are the voices of discouragement, that are the voices of depression, that are anything less than the voice of God. We simply need to say like, man, if I have been listening to the wrong voices, it becomes hard to hear the right voices and to be confronted with the voices of truth and to be confronted with the voices of, of encouragement and can be confronted with voices that disagree with what I have believed as a lie. Like when you listen to the wrong voices long enough, the right voices become incredibly inconvenient and become incredibly uncomfortable. Our attention is not only what we see and what we look to, but all the also the voices that we willingly listen to, what we allow ourselves to hear 
over and over, what we continuously expose our ears and our minds to. These are the voices of negativity, the voices of unconditional affirmation, the voices of inevitability that like, hey, this is just what's gonna happen. This is where you were born. This is what your family's always done. Of course, this is what your future is gonna be. These are the voices of lies. When you have been told lies long enough, it's hard to hear the truth. When you have been affirmed in unhealthy behaviors long enough, it's hard to hear a rebuke. I mean, it will, feel, it will feel uncomfortable. It will feel inconvenient. You'll, go, you'll resist it. You'll refuse it. You'll push it away, but it will be what you need. When you have been told it's inevitable that you will end up in the wrong place, it's hard to hear hope. When you have been fed negativity for long enough, encouragement is hard to accept. When you have fed yourself with the voices of this world long enough, it is hard to hear and accept the voice of God. Here's why. When you listen to the wrong voices long enough, you will build your life based on the voices you listen to. Every single one of us do this. You will build your life based on the voices that you listen to. And when you have built your life on the wrong voices and the wrong principles and the wrong words, it's easier to keep living a lie than to rebuild your life on the truth. It's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable, but it's also necessary. And so some of us, we need to go, you know what? I've allowed my attention to drift to the wrong voices and to the wrong principles and to voices that lack truth and to voices that do not, do not care about my future. They only care about my right, my right now. And I'm just telling you, as, as much as it's inconvenient and as much as it's uncomfortable, we need to work through the uncomfortable, to work through the inconvenient, to hear the voice of God once again, to hear what God wants to say to us once again, to hear what the right voice wants to speak to us here and now. And so here's what's here's, here's amazing. God goes on. In the, in, in the first part of this, we get, here's what you're doing and here's the warnings I have for you. Here's what you're doing. Here's the warnings that I have for you. God begins to make a little bit of a turn here. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. So God says, I, I actually, in, in quietness and rest, in repentance, is your salvation. When you turn to me, I'm your salvation. Like, I, like I'm the only one who can actually save you in the situation. I'm the only one who can save you when you rest in me, when you turn to me, when you repent and come back to me, in quietness and trust in me. That's your strength. It's not in military power. It's not in political power. It's not in power on the world stage. It's simply in me who's above the world stage. That's where your hope would lie. He says, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. He says, therefore, you will flee. You said, we'll ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of, of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. And this is just one more important reminder. You will find what you look for. You will find what you look for. In life, you will find not just what you look to, but you will also discover your, yourself living in the places that you look for. God has the solution, rest and repentance, quietness and trust in me. They would have none of it. They would rather go looking for enemies. He says, you look for enemies, 
you'll find them. They would rather look for a reason to run. You're looking for reasons to flee, you will find them. They would rather look for a big enemy. You look for a big enemy, you will see one where there is only one person or whether there's only five people. You go looking for a big enemy, you will turn small enemies into big enemies. In life, you will find yourself living out what you look at and you will find yourself living out what you're looking for. Whatever you go looking for, whatever has your attention, whatever grabs your attention, whatever you go looking for, God reminds us, you will find your life living out what you are looking at and you will find yourself living out what you're looking for. Isaiah says, look, what you go looking for, you go looking for an enemy, you'll find it. You go looking for opposition, you'll find it. You go looking for a reason to run, you'll find it. You go looking for, for discouragement, you'll find it. You go looking for negativity, you'll find it. You go looking for companionship outside your marriage, you'll find it. You go looking for distractions, you'll find it. You go looking for some way to avoid the difficult conversations you need to have with your kids, you'll find it. You go looking for any of those things, you'll find it, but you'll end up living the consequences of those things. You will live what you look for. You will find what you look for. And unfortunately, some of us, we go looking for things that are not the things of God. But if we go looking for the things of God, the same is true. We will find his strength in quietness and trust. We'll find his strength in rest and redemption and in repentance when we look to him. And now God turns a picture. Again, this is, this is the... the the, the warnings and the, and the threats and the, the promises of what happens if you continue on this path. But then God promises, like, look, I, I've told you I, I, have you, I have your salvation in rest and repentance. I have, I have, your, I have strength in quietness and trust. And then he says this, that the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Even though you're on the wrong path, God longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion, that he is walking with you, that he knows what you're going through, that he understands the terror and the threat that you feel right now. He will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. And then this is the verse. When I read this back in, in January, this is the verse that made me want to preach this sermon. It actually made me want to preach this entire series. This is the verse that I've, I've been building to this entire series. It said this, whether you, again, this is God speaking to the people of Israel, God speaking to his chosen people. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is God saying to his chosen people, every breath you take and every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. <laughs> that is not how the, that's not how that song goes. This is how it would go if God was the one writing it. Everything that you do, everywhere you turn, every direction you go, every path you get on, everything that you give your attention to, everything that you're trying to do right with your life, every time you try to make a step, everything that you do in your life, God says, this is the way, 
Walk in it. I have a direction for you. I have a path that I'm laying before you. So whether you turn to the right or the left, wherever you go, God has a voice that wants to speak to you. And if you will pay attention to the voice of God, God will be the one leading you and laying before you the steps on the path that leads to life. To put it another way, God has a take on every decision we make. God has a take on every decision we make. Every decision of your life, God has input on that decision. Every decision you make, every decision you make in your parenting, in your finances, in your marriage, in your career, in your education, in your, in your decisions with your family, every, every decision that you will make from the, what you eat to breakfast, to what you eat for dinner, to how you interact with clients on the phone, to how you interact when you're going and selling homes, to how you interact in every area and every facet of your life. God actually has an opinion. If you're thinking, man, like, does God really care that much that he would care about what I eat for breakfast? How good is God that he cares so much about you that he has an opinion on what you would eat for breakfast? Now, here's the thing. Whether you eat Lucky Charms or, or, or Frosted Flakes, I don't know that that matters that much throughout your day. I, I don't know that you need to like pray and desperately seek God for that. But here's the thing. When it comes to the areas of our life that actually matter most, why would we turn anywhere else? Why would we turn anywhere else than to the one who says, no matter where you go, whether it's to the right or to the left, I want to be the voice behind you. I want to be the voice you hear in your ear. I want to be the voice you hear in your heart. I want to be the voice that you hear in your conscience saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. And if you'll pay attention What's amazing about this is God has never stopped speaking. God is speaking to you right now, even as I'm speaking to you right now. God has never stopped speaking to you about your parenting. God has never stopped speaking to you about how to handle your finances. God has never stopped speaking to you about what's wise in your marriage. God has never stopped speaking to you about how and who you are supposed to be at your workplace. God has never stopped speaking to you about who and what you were to be at your, on your campus as you walk the halls of your school or the walls of the, 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 the campus of your university. God has never stopped speaking to you about those things, and he never will. The question that we have to ask ourselves is are we giving attention to the voice of God? Are we actually giving attention to the voice of the one who matters most, of the one whose opinion matters most, of the one whose opinion is truly wise, of the one whose perspective is higher and wider and broader than ours? Are we actually giving our attention to who matters most? Are we willing to listen or are we letting the noise of life get so loud that we can't hear the voice of God? Or have we been inattentive so long that we have become callous to the voice of God where we've known what to do and we've chosen something else for so long over and over and over and over again that we no longer recognize the voice of God. God has never stopped speaking to you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. That's how much he desires a relationship with you and desires to lead you towards what's best in life. That he has what's best for you. He knows what's best for you and he will lead you towards what's best for you. The question is, will we allow him to lead the way and will we listen and give our attention to him? So what will you pay attention to? If it's true, if it's true that our attention shapes our path, which ultimately shapes our place, what are we paying attention to? 
Who are we paying attention to? If it's true that our attention changes our direction, which ultimately affects our destination, who and what are we paying attention to? And today, I would just like to remind you, there is a voice of one who has promised that in him, in quietness and trust, there is strength. In him, in rest and repentance towards him, there is salvation. In the one who has said that, he has also promised us that whether we turn to the right or the left, he will be the voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And the question that I would ask us today is, are we listening to him more than anything else? Are we giving our attention to him when it shouldn't be given, when it shouldn't be given to any, anyone else? Let me give you a, a couple questions to ask for. Whose voice do you listen for? Are you listening for the voice of God? Or are you listening to the voices of the people that have tried to become influential in your lives? Are you listening to the voices of culture? Are you listening to the voices of a parent whose approval you could never win? Are you, are you, are you listening to the voices of a hundred different people and allowing those voices to crowd out the voice of God? Or are you focused and attentively listening for the voice of God? Let me give you a second question. Whose direction do you look for? You're like, that's the same question. No, 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 no. It's one thing to listen for a voice. It's a, it's a whole different thing to listen specifically for direction. To let God say, this is the way, walk in it. And when he says, this is the way, walk in it, that we actually walk in it. It's one thing to say, God, I want to hear your voice. It's another to say, God, you lead the way. So are you actually listening, not just for the voice of God, for comfort, for, for encouragement, for hope, but are you also want to say, God, I want your direction. And when it's uncomfortable and when it's inconvenient, I still want your direction. I, God, there's going to be some stuff where, where the world's way is much more convenient. It's much more comfortable. And your way and your direction and your will and your pointing of, of the way, it's going, to, it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me a relationship. It's going to cost me some time. It's going to cost me looking foolish and looking silly. But God, I want your direction anyway. So whose direction do you look for? And then one final question, and this is just about our, the attention of our lives. What's the filter that you live your life through? In other words, who are we ultimately trying to please with our lives? I'll tell you what, whoever has your attention, that's who you're trying to please with your life. That's who, that's who you make decisions based on will, how it will affect this person. Will they be proud of the decision I make? Will this group of people be proud of the decision I make? At the end of the day, if anything less than God is the filter through which you make decisions and make choices and make big decisions about the rest of your life and the direction and the path that you choose to walk on, it will fail you and it will fall short, but God will never fail. He never will fall short. He is the filter through which we should live our entire lives and give every bit of our attention to. Our attention shapes our path, which ultimately determines our place. Our attention changes our direction, which ultimately affects our destination. That's true for you. That's true for me. That's true for every single one of us. And as we've been saying, our path will always determine our place. So why don't we let our attention go to the one who ultimately has what's best for us, who sees what's best for us, who knows what's best for us, who is what's best for us, and allow him to be the voice behind us, whether we turn to the right, whether we turn to the left, whether we go forward, whether we go backwards, where he says, this is the way, walk in it. And we listen for his voice. We pay attention for his voice. We pay attention to his direction. We pay attention to where he points. And we follow on that path. 
and we allow him to shape the place that we will arrive in life. As we do that, God will be good. God will be faithful. God will be loving. God will be gracious. God will be patient with us. So why would we not follow him? Why would we not let him point the way and follow on the path that leads to his place for us? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you for this word for us. God, thank you for this word that reminds us to not look to anything less, to not look to anyone less than you, that you are our rest, that you are our salvation, that you are our strength. And so God, help us to have the wisdom in areas of our lives where we've been looking to something or someone less than you, where something or someone else less than you has grabbed our attention and grabbed our emotion and grabbed our affection. Would you give us the wisdom to return to you, to turn away from those things and turn to you. And God, as we do that, help us to listen to your voice. Help us to listen for your voice for comfort. Help us to listen to your voice for strength. Help us to listen to your voice for affirmation. Help us to listen to you. But God, even more so, would you help us to do that last thing we said? Would you help us to let you point you the way? Help us to let you point the direction. Help us to let you point. And when you say go, we go. And where you say go, we'll go that direction. And when you put the path before us, we'll walk on it. Because God, we want to trust that you are leading us to the places that you have for us. Towards your purpose, towards your plans, towards your will, and towards your way. So God, give us the wisdom today to know what direction you're pointing us in. Help us have the wisdom to return our attention and our affection to you. And God, as we do that, would you lead us? Would you move us? Would you shape us and would you mold us into the people that you want, to, want us to be living in your world, being your people and having an impact for you in the ways that you want us to have an impact for you? We love you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen.